Welcome to another edition of the Vitology Podcast, brought to you by Emmanuel Faith. Uh, Ryan, It is hello. good to be back with you, Josh. It is good it, to be here. Yes. Here we are. We're, now, if you're listening to us on the podcast, uh, you don't care what day it is live, uh, but we're on a, a new day, a different day, not new. You know, um, schedules change. It, it, they do, and <laughs> we are both a part of our kids' baseball team. Yes, we and are. And they happen to be playing on Wednesday. Yes, they are. Yeah. Did did so, your did your kids? Did you have two games? Yesterday? We had two games at the same time at yesterday. The same time. So, oh boy. Yes. How'd they do? Uh, they both did well. They They're having good. a really good time playing baseball, which is fun. My youngest, Reed, is like this year. He finally decided he likes baseball, uh, and he's like good. in. And Ethan always has, so it's a blast. I love it's it. A blast. I yeah. love it. My my Josiah, um, he did really well. Uh, their team, the team lost. At the, you know, at the very end, it was a close game. They played well, um, but Josiah was up. It was the final inning. Okay. So it was, they only played five innings. This was the last one. There was two outs and he gets up. Nice. And as a good dad, I'm just praying. Oh, Lord, please. Contact. I pray he does not. He does not strike out. Okay? Make contact. Uh, contact would be great. A walk would be great. Yeah. Those were the things I was praying for as the first strike came. As the second pitch came, he got hit by the pitch. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't what I was praying for, but, right, but but Lord, that'll work. But, that, <laughs> but thank you, Lord. That is answered to prayer because He did not lose the game. That is awesome. I love that. I <laughs> he, love ended up, that. he ended up coming in he scoring, which was fun. So that's so, great. Yeah. Man. That's great. Yeah, it's fun to be out there. <laughs> I know it is. I know. And so, so thank you for flexing with us. And if you're joining us, if you're logging on, it's not a normal time. And so, uh, so share it. So invite some people to come and join in. We'd love to interact. Yeah. And uh, and yet we have a bunch of great things to talk about today. I think so. Yeah, we do. In fact, we do. We, we've been we've been kind of tossing out some questions or you know, tossing out some oh some soliciting questions, I guess yeah. we've been doing and kind of and seeing what kind of questions are out there. And uh a really great one came in from uh, Instagram. Right? Yeah, yeah, this was last week. I didn't see it until it. after, so ah, I was bummed. But yeah, so the question was. Well, um, it was just sort of a fun question. What was, what's the best backpacking trail you've ever been on? Mm. And so I'll, I'm going to give actually three answers to three. that. <laughs> yeah, so, <you> um, <laughs> the best backpacking trip I've ever been okay. on yeah. was the one I met my wife on. And so Darn. we had known each other before then, but we fell in love on yeah. a trail called OB joyful trail in that's, Crested Butte, Colorado. That's perfect. So, OB, yes, joyful. OB joyful. And we thought, <laughs> Let's go be oh so joyful together for the rest of our life. Yeah. So um, that's my favorite trip. My favorite trail is right near there. It's called um, West Elk Loop. And there's mm. this rock formation called the castles that look like little drip castles that somebody yeah, made yeah, yeah. Yeah. that are just unbelievably gorgeous. And I like it because there's not a ton of people on that trail. Yeah. It's pretty. I love that. Uh, it's wilderness, and so you could go a week without seeing anybody out there. But the scenery is gorgeous, tons of animals, and uh, it's just a blast. So, yeah, that's great. I also took my son Ethan on a backpacking trip this summer, and that was a fun trip too. Oh, so, man. anyway, that love being so outdoors. Cool. Yeah. I know, I know, I do too. This is, uh, I, I wish I did more. Um, I've gone once with my son Caleb, uh, but it's been, it's just been too long already. We need to get back out there. Um, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to go with three also. Uh, 
at two two of them are in the same place because I love it so much. But uh, the one the one that that is the best trip that I've ever been on was a, a young life trip. Right. We on. went this. There's this camp in uh, it's actually in Canada called Malibu. You went to beyond. I went beyond Malibu. Get out of I town! Did. Oh my goodness! How did I never know that? Yes, I did. I know it was it oh. was amazing. So you you're in this spot that is just gorgeous. You have to take a boat to get there to the camp, and then we had to take a boat to get to the to the trailhead. So we started at sea level, and we went up like six thousand feet to snow. So you start at sea yep. level, go up to snow. We didn't see a soul. In yep. fact, up there you can drink water right out of the streams. Yeah, it's that. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Young Life backpacking is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I guided for Young Life for uh, four years, yeah. and Beyond Malibu is like the trip everybody talks about. So, bravo, Josh! I My know. goodness, I know. I'm well, jealous. We, we should probably get you out there. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, that is the most beautiful. That that trip was influential in my life and where I am today. That's a whole other story. Um, but then, actually, I'm going to just combine these into one because I've done this trip multiple times. But there's a spot in between June Lake and Mammoth. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Where there's a there's a specific spot that is my favorite backpacking place. It might be one of my favorite places on Earth. It's this place called Island Pass. And uh, you'd have to look it up, but it is this incredible place where you're you go kind of above the tree line, mm -hmm. and uh, and you're at the top, and there's there's these these little pools of water that are there that are just beautiful to look at, and you see, I mean, you can just see forever. It is gorgeous. It's right Island it's, Pass. It's called Island Pass. It's is in, it is? Do you look down on Thousand Islands you, Lake? You do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're. It's right I, above I've that. Been in that area. You I did, I didn't make it there, but. You kind of have to go a little bit out of the way to get to Island Pass. And uh, and it's right in Ansel Adams Wilderness. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's just gorgeous, right? Real close to Yosemite. Um, oh, right on. It is, it is the best. Very and, cool. Uh, and I have to mention, I took 30 kids there once. Wow. <laughs> 30 junior high kids. I don't even know if that's legal. It is not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, and uh, and I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that. So I'm going to keep go. that to myself right yeah, we'll now. We'll edit that out. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Well, um, hey, thank you for the questions. In fact, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to answer anything you got. And clearly, if we'll talk backpacking, and we'll, we will talk backpacking for a long time. We could. If you'd like. We but could. I don't think that's necessarily why uh, you went. See, Amber, Amber knows she went, you went to Beyond Malibu. Uh did not know that Josh Rose. All right. Well, did I. Amber, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, loved it. So, um, hey, we've got a bunch to talk about today. Okay. Let's do it. And in this in this podcast, we we're we're often referencing sermons that you can find on another Emmanuel Faith podcast that is our sermon podcast. Yep. And uh, and we I highly recommend that you go go back and listen to this last week's message. These these last six now, this, this was the sixth six, message yep. um, in this series, have been foundational. They've been just great messages. Uh, this week, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yeah. your main idea. Yeah, we did a, a message on the Great Commission, which is a, a famous passage out of Math, the end of Matthew, the end of Matthew's gospel, um, where it's Jesus giving his disciples the their marching orders. Mm -hmm. And the marching orders are... Uh, go into the uh, go and make disciples of all the nations, uh, baptizing them and 
teaching them to obey all that I've commanded and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we, we wanted to sort of frame this message for people to, to answer the question, um, what do we, in order to be a disciple, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do as Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And this was part one of the, what did Jesus do, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus made disciples. Mm. And so his calling for us is to make disciples also. And now you mean by us, you mean like the, the paid professionals? Yeah, you us, know, like us, us, like us. Is it, that is that what you mean? Like actually, the... no, like one of my, <laughs> thank you for, that's a softball. You like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my one of my main um, points this weekend was actually this message is for everybody. Yeah, it's not for uh, pastor only for pastors, and it's certainly not only for missionaries. And I mm. think that's the way that a lot of people often read the Great Commission is um, they read the Great Commission and they hear the command go mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. go. And I wanted to just go to the back to the original, the Greek, to say actually there's only one command yeah. in the Great Commission, and it's not go. Yeah. It's make disciples that teach people how to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be do uh to become like Jesus and to do as Jesus did. Like that's the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not go. Hmm. And I, I do think that um maintaining or trying to maintain that go is a command mm -hmm. actually break the logic of that breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. okay. Here's my like so what do you do if you read the Great Commission and you live in Iran? <laughs> so you as a as a Christian, you are one of the few Christians in Very Iran. few. Um I, I know I think they can I think they know that it's well actually it's one of the fastest growing church multiplication movements in the world right now. Yes. But you're right. It's but like it's traditionally small. very small, right? So where should somebody who comes to faith in Jesus in Iran, where should they go? America. <laughs> oh, is that like, wrong? Please no. don't, right? Like, <laughs> no, please. We've, like, got a, we've got enough disciples stay. is what you're saying. I'm, what I'm saying huh. is if we read it as a <laughs> command, it should be a command for everybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yet the logic of that is not sustainable. The logic of that yeah. breaks down pretty quickly. And... Luckily for us, that isn't the logic of the Great Commission. The logic of the Great Commission is as you go, wherever you go, when yeah. you go, make disciples, right? Yeah. And so if that means going across the street or if that means going across the world, regardless of where you're going, you know what you're supposed to be doing as you go. I like that. I feel like that's a that would be a neat challenge to the right people group, right, in the right place, is that to, to change that as if Jesus might say, stay yeah like because actually in in a lot of those a lot of the same countries end up dealing with uh dealing with economies where they can't sustain and they need to leave in fact uh we ran into this a lot when we were uh, going to albania mm. their best and brightest would get a ticket out right okay. and they'd get to come to the united states and and but i ran into a number of mm. people who were were they were disciple makers and they were committed to Albania, yeah. even though they could have gone. Right. It's as if what you're saying is they, they were hearing that as Jesus telling them, stay, stay and, make and make disciples. disciples. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And, Ooh. and so I, there are applications for us hmm. too, right? And I yeah. think the application for us is um, even if God doesn't call us to go across the world, mm -hmm. we're not off the hook. He, he's still calling mm. us to make disciples. Yeah. And um, 
to make disciples of Jesus specifically, because one of the other points I made was like becoming a, we are all becoming disciples of someone yeah. or something where we are. That's part of our nature is to be learners and people that are being shaped and formed yeah. by some narrative, by the world that we live in, by the voices we're listening to. We're all becoming disciples of something. Hmm. The great commission is a call to make disciples of Jesus and to leverage whatever influence we have in our life to, to hmm. do that, hmm. to do that. So, and that, that's a, uh, and so th this 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 week was all about inviting everybody on that journey, all of us, mm -hmm. to to join in, as you put it, God's mission by making disciples. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, and I do think that Jesus's great commission is simply carry on what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So as we look at the great commission, we're going, okay, well, yeah, Jesus, that is what you've been doing. You, you, you have been, <laughs> you're going right you're, yeah. as you're going, you're on the move. Um, you're, you're baptizing people, mm -hmm. you're calling people to faith and you're calling them to associate with you and, and to, um, to carry your name as it were, you have allegiance to you. And then finally, yeah, you were teaching your disciples how mm -hmm. to obey. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we get to carry the, Jesus hands us the baton and says, you get to run this leg of the race. Yeah. Now, interesting. Um, I don't see Jesus dunking many people in the water. No. In, in and that's why, uh, that's why I wanted to say, okay, that there's this, there, there's a calling to faith yeah. uh, that precedes baptism that I think mm. Jesus has in mind as he talks about the ritual of, mm. of baptism. Okay. Yeah. So it's a bit broader. I think than so. Just the yeah, just the just the act or the uh, what if you want to call it the sacrament or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So is he, do you think he's getting at some of the um the that identity piece that that they're um you know when they were baptized, especially early on, um that was a uh um you know when you become a Christian you don't all of a sudden look different, right? <laughs> you don't you know you don't all of a sudden wear different clothes, um. And yet this was, this was the, the first like outward thing that they did. It was, it was, yeah. it was something that was fairly quick after a conversion. I mean, yeah. Sometimes. Presumably it seemed like, yeah. um, they're and at times, I mean, they, they were kind of marking themselves. They were. And in fact, you could get killed if you were found Some, out that many did. you yeah. were, got baptized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say that there's three things that mm. baptism, it, it sort of encompasses, one, a new allegiance, so Jesus mm. is Lord. Second is um, a new identity or a new lifestyle. Mm. So there's this new way that we live it out. Mm. And then finally, um, a new family. So it was baptism was really the entrance into the life of the church. Mm -hmm. So actually, can I nerd out for just please, a second? There's um, love there's that. this great you guys allow that? great book called The Patient Ferment of the Church. And I know it doesn't sound like ferment. No, wow. nobody's going, wow, I was really hoping they'd write a book. That. <laughs> um, uh, author named Alan Kreider writes about the history of the early church, and it is fascinating. It is so good. But he writes about the process of people getting to the point of baptism. Yeah. And so certainly in the, New, in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see people like the Ethiopian eunuch who comes to faith in Jesus and is baptized right away. And so there's something to be mm -hmm. said for that. In the early church, though, they had, um, they had a, cate a catechism, a catechesis mm -hmm. process that lasted sometimes up to two years. Wow. And so part of the process was people needed to find a sponsor. 
They needed huh. to find somebody within the church that would vouch for them to say, like, okay, Josh really is learning the way of Jesus. Hmm. He really is practicing the way of Jesus. I've seen growth in him. And you needed somebody within to sort of vouch for your growing character. Hmm. Well, that eventually would lead up to the point of baptism. And oftentimes the early church separate, you know, early ish, I don't, I'm not using that in a capital yeah. E yeah, early yeah, yeah. church, um, would celebrate baptisms on Easter Sunday. And so wow. here's the, and you can go back and read about this. This is in the Didache. So this is okay. a, a document dated roughly 120 ish. Mm -hmm. Okay. They looked for a number of things when they were looking for water. Um, number one, they wanted running water okay. for baptism. Number two, they wanted cold water for baptism. Really? Number three, the uh, participant would fast for three days leading up to baptism. And number four, I don't, this isn't, this isn't, um, I don't think this is part of the Dodake, but this was part of Kreider's uh, research. Oftentimes they would be baptized naked. Yeah. So, wow. I am not for practicing baptism no. in the same way that the early church did, <laughs> but, clear. but baptism, while we didn't see Jesus dunking a lot of yeah. people, baptism was really, really important to the early church. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I've heard similar stories like this and I, and I don't know if I, I believe I heard this came from Justin Martyr. Um, so not far yeah. off from yeah. then, um, maybe the same, maybe the same idea that, that people would actually come to the waters in their old clothes mm, and they would, yeah. they would disrobe. Yes. And it's as if they're taking off their old identity. This is who they used to be. And then as they came out of the waters, the, the rest of the church would, would clothe them in a new white robe. Oh, I love that picture. I love it. And, and, and I, what he says is people would wear those clothes without taking them off for months. Yeah. Because they were just so excited to say, I have a new identity. Oh, I love that. I mean, it reminds huh. me of Colossians chapter three, right? Put to death, therefore, or put, put off what is earthly yeah. in you. And then later on in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy mm. and beloved. Mm. Yeah, that put off and put on is symbolic in baptism. I love that. And, and then you see the picture of the new community, right? The new family, yes. yeah. new allegiance, new life, new identity, and new family. Yeah, coming together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, just, I love that. And so, so here Jesus is saying... Um, go and make disciples. Okay. So there's this, there's this going. Yep. Okay. There's, um, baptizing and what mm -hmm. we, what we do when we go, uh, baptizing is one of them. Teaching yeah. is another one. Yeah. Now, but by the way, and back to you, you mentioned this and I think this, before we go into teaching is, I think this is a big one. Uh, this is continuing what Jesus started. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the, this is the part that, that, always intrigues me about this because this is the moment when Jesus declares in front of everybody and it's and as you pointed out this happens very soon after his resurrection yeah. very soon after the time at which we would say he was glorified yes on the cross right and that that it was he was proven to be king proven to be lord all, all these things he's glorified he declares he has all power yeah all power and all authority yep. okay so there's no authority or no power that exists that is not his. Right. In some way, specifically, uniquely at that moment, right? Yep. And yet, he says, therefore, you, you people you all. go <laughs> and make disciples, yeah. right? Not, not 
I have authority and now I'm going to fix it all. Yeah, no, right? which is which would have been nice. No, no. Would, I mean, <laughs> listen, it's what the disciples were still hoping for That's in the right. book of Acts. They're going, are, right. are you going to set up your kingdom now? Yeah. And they're thinking, are the heads going to roll? Is Caesar uh, going to be dethroned? Yes. Is are you war. finally going to elevate Israel to its place in this earthly mm -hmm. world that it it rightfully deserves? That's right. Because even in the Garden of Gethsemane, they had swords. Yeah. They were like oh, ready, ready to fight. They're ready. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that that's sort of this like turn of events, right? Where you imagine the disciples going, "Oh yeah, finally." <laughs> Even like I imagine, I imagine um, like Peter, James, and John who saw Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, yeah. like looking at the other guys, going, "You're gonna love this. <laughs> you are gonna love what you're about to see because you guys, it's unbelievable." And then Jesus goes, "You're going." And they're like, never mind. I didn't see that coming, right? Like, I didn't think that that's where he was going with this. I thought he was that's going so transfiguration good. style on us, and you know, yeah, that's anyway, true. So that's true. And so, I, so he tells us to go and and give so say, give people a new identity. Yeah. In, in baptism, yeah, call them to faith. Call them to faith, and then teach them. them, right? And teach them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which okay. So here's a fascinating thing when I was studying this passage, Josh, because I wanted to just go try try my best to go to a passage I've read a, a thousand times with fresh eyes, right? Yeah. And uh, this was one of the things that stood out to me was Jesus tells them the content that he wants them to teach mm -hmm. in order to make disciples, and I was okay. surprised once again to see, okay. So Jesus doesn't say, go teach people the Bible. Well, what does he want us to teach them? <laughs> You're <laughs> he right. Says, he doesn't. He says, go teach and... them to observe what I have commanded you. Okay. And now certainly hmm. now we have a lot of that, or at least some of that content in the Bible, right? So if we're going to apply this to our lives today, we would apply it using New Testament scripture mm -hmm. primarily. But how would they have applied it? I mean, they're not going back, and certainly they were students of the scripture, and they some of them probably had copies of the scriptures. Yeah. But Jesus says, "Go teach them what I commanded you," and so that's where I tried to sort of play with our congregation a little bit to go. Wouldn't it be nice if we knew what Jesus thought the greatest commandments were? Yeah. <laughs> what we want, like, what would He want us to teach and value above all else? And. Yeah. Um, and obviously we do have, we have yeah. what he would say is the greatest commandment. And so I think one of the greatest applications to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you is Jesus's commentary mm. on the greatest commandment. Yeah. Cause those that, I mean, that's really his command. I mean, these commands, you know, that's, that's what he taught us to, yeah. to, to do. I would argue huh. Jesus has a command mm. and the there then there's a lot of commentary on uh, and application of that one command in different contexts mm. with different kinds of people but i i think so the one command is love okay yeah love and it's it, even jesus uh, after washing his disciples feet says a new command i give you that you would love mm -hmm. one another mm -hmm. just as i have loved you mm -hmm. and um and so i think even like as we read through the sermon on the mount for example, take the, the first thing that Jesus addresses as far as our character, which is anger. Mm -hmm. I think it's that's commentary hmm. on what it looks like to be a loving person. Um, hmm. I, I think being honest, 
is commentary. And what does it look like to be a loving love. person? Mm. And so certainly love is a huge category, which is why we need a lot of ways to, to tease it out and to apply sure. it in different contexts. But um, I, I don't know that Jesus grows, gets beyond that. I think he goes deeper and deeper, deeper into, into it. it. Yeah. I mean, he, he does say that, I mean, more or less what he's saying is that that whole book, okay, the, the, the part that they read, right. The, you know, the Bible Jesus read, which is, you know, which is a slightly different Bible than we read. Right. Because <laughs> it's the first part of it, right? It's the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, we call it. Um, that, the, the law and the prophets, is kind of a way of summing up that, right? Yeah. And he says all that. All, all of this depends or hangs on this one this command. This one command. So if you get that, <laughs> you, you're going to get the whole book. Right. If you if you're really getting the whole book, then you're, you should be getting you should be getting that. That. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I like huh. that a lot. Huh. Yeah. I just made it up. Good. Right. Just hey, kidding. That'll that'll <laughs> preach. Yeah. And and you know what's interesting is that the apostle Paul picks up on this too, obviously. He's inspired by the same same spirit. And so here here's what he says in verse eight of Romans chapter 13. He says, and I'll read eight and um eight and nine. He says, Oh, no one, anything except love, uh, except, except to love each other for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law mm -hmm. for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor mm -hmm. as yourself. Now, what Paul did was to take the 10 commit part of the 10 commandments and say, actually, these are just commentary. Hmm. These are just applications of one. And he goes, that, that command is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So Paul, I mean, I don't want to say it too strongly. I, I don't know that he discounts the Ten Commandments, but he certainly does say that they are subsidiary to this one commandment, yeah. love. He, love your neighbor. He places them under a greater command. Under a greater command. Yeah. So uh, they're still they're still valuable, but but all that we learn in the Old Testament, I mean, the New Testament places that under Jesus. Right. And so that which which they do that. We're not saying that. We're not saying you know it, it's it's the Bible it's that the Bi actually yeah says the Bible's that. commentary on the hmm. Bible would say. This is the command that's above all the others. Mm. And I think we, I, I think that's worth listening to. <laughs> and, and so I, these are the commandments, right, that talked about our interactions with each other within the Ten Commandments. Now, there are also parts of the Ten Commandments that talk about our interaction with God. Mm -hmm. And I would simply mm -hmm. say that those are the love God, right? Mm -hmm. Have no mm -hmm. other idols before mm -hmm. me. You shall have no gods before me, right? Um, yeah. That that's what it looks like to love God. And then this is what it looks like to love people. Mm. So, yeah. So I made the statement on uh, this weekend that you, um, it's impossible to become a disciple without becoming a person of love. Yeah, I, 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 I wrote it down word for word, and I think I love the way you said. It. I said, if we don't teach people to love, we don't teach people to be a disciple. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to say it. That that what we're our our job is in making disciples is to be creating people. That love, that love, that love God, and love people. It's interesting. Uh, I met with uh, I met with one of our older saints earlier today, um, 
and uh, it was Virginia. Oh, yes. Virginia. She's not listening, but maybe she will one day. Virginia, we love you. And uh, actually, it was interesting. She wanted to talk about love. Hmm. And and she just she she's just I just said okay let's talk about love and I, I love Virginia she's kind of at that point in her age where she's she'll kind of get an idea and then move to something else and then come back um, bless her heart but she just she just said love she said this God is love oh no no sorry excuse me she says what is love God is love what does that mean about God. And like what love is, huh. is what God is, is what she's saying. And yeah. so, so w- what is that telling us about who God is? Mm. And, and I think this is, I just kind of listened and was like, yeah, I wrote that down. And then I thought that is interesting. And here I knew we were going to talk about love. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That, that this fact that God is love, that here's why I bring this up here, because God's command then to us is to love God mm-hmm. and to love others. Yeah. It actually, it's what he's saying is kind of be like me. Totally. Because if God is, his motivation is love. He's loved, he loves us. Mm-hmm. And his reason for creation was us. His reason for Jesus was love. Yeah. That he's saying, hey, love also. Right. And there's only two things to love. <laughs> Him. God. And people, others, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think in the con, like that for me helps frame discipleship. Um, mm. So as as I'm as I'm discipling people, as I'm teaching scripture, as I'm meeting with people, as like my one of my goals is to help them move more and more to become people for uh, of love. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I, you know, and and yet, love gets a bad rap. (laughs) I mean, more about that. It does, and I mean, everybody, everybody. This is going to be a profound statement. Everybody loves love. Yes, that's true. Right, and yet it gets a bad rap in. I want to say even in like theology terms that, in in in. Even even Christian circles that if you if you talk too much about love, then that's kind of I see what you're saying. I don't know. It's kind of like you're not dealing with the real hard things, yeah, and the tough things. And and I guess I mean Jesus. I'm sure Jesus would have known that. Yeah. <laughs> and if I love what is it uh, Dallas is saying? If Jesus would have known a better way, right? What yeah. Yeah. Dallas. Da- da- yeah. And in, in trying to help reframe the way we think about Jesus. Willard argues Jesus is brilliant, right? Yeah, and yeah. we don't have to talk about it that way, talk about him that way. And he, he says, listen, if Jesus knew a better way to do it, he would have been all for it, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> if he knew of a better way to deal with your anger, he would have been all for it. Yeah. And then Willard will sort of say tongue in cheek, anything you can do angry, you can do better not angry. <laughs> It's like, yes, it's true. Anyway, sorry, it's true. And so you can do better with love. Yes, that, love that makes would be the same. Better. Yeah, that same application mm. point. I, I totally mm. agree. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so, man. That's interesting. I, I love that. I love that. Love, love. Anyway. Yes. Um, 
so okay now um can i can i bring us back before we move on um because we've had some questions come in right one about discipling and one about baptism um first thing is just this is i think this is a helpful question is uh back in the day bill williams um who has uh who's moved away and i forget where bill but um bill's in tennessee tennessee is it yeah, okay yeah. all right all right yeah um and he there was a mentoring program at a man of faith and here's the thing um we we've we've often talked about mentoring as the discipleship tool and and that's a it's a great option oh yeah we had Phenomenal. a program where we were you know that was a, a big push for a while to try to get people mentoring now um it's not i don't know that we do it like a program like that right now as if we're you know we have a pro mentoring ministry however i think if i could say what what we're saying is we want to help people get into those relationships any way we can yeah and so if you uh if you're out there and you want to mentor oh yeah let and us I, know. I do know that our um care and counseling department that's a branch of what they're, they're still pushing good into. okay great great um but yeah and and Josh, like you, you mentioned um, before that we are we're starting a we're going to do a class, a sort of a, a training, right. so that yeah. any like like our hope is that everybody that comes to Emmanuel Faith would feel comfortable and equipped to disciple somebody else. Yeah, like that. That's one of my dreams is that we have a church where if you want to learn how to be a disciple maker, we have pathways for you to do it whether it's with your kids or your grandkids or your neighbors or coworkers that you go, Oh, I can, I can lead a, a, yeah. a study to help you become a disciple. I'd love to do that. Yeah. 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 yeah so exactly. to that end, we have a class coming up a class coming up in two weeks. Um, and this is going to be, uh, what we're trying to do is, is to really, um, take the barriers down because I think, I think some people out there think that you've got to, you know, you've got to know a certain amount of things. You've got to have, you know, a, a whole plan figured out and you've got to have a book of curriculum and homework or something like that. And it's, and it's limiting people from taking that step of yeah starting in a discipling relationship. Um, and, and some of it is just, I'd love to, I just don't know what to do. Right. And so we're going to give a, a brief overview. Okay. Yep. We're talking an hour and a half of kind of just giving, giving you an idea of what this looks like. Now, of course, there's always going to be more resources and there's, there's going, we're going to be offering some of those down the road, but I really, I'm excited about this class. Yeah, I, I am too. Man. We're going to give you a, a few tools of, of things to, to think about as you talk to somebody, but um, it's going to be really good. Yeah. And even on... just a way to think about if you have an hour long meeting with somebody, yeah. what do you do during that hour? Exactly. Like we want to help you answer that question. So you go, I know what to do. I I'm going to, we're going to spend roughly 20 minutes doing this and 20 yep. minutes doing that. And then 20 minutes here. And, and you have a framework in your mind that you can go into the meeting and go, gosh, God, I believe that a, you, you're inviting me to do this mm -hmm. and B, I, I have a vision for what you're asking me to do here right. and I can be successful. So that that's why we're doing that. Yeah, that's going to yep. be on Sunday the 28th, which happens to be Palm Sunday. Right on. At uh, at noon. Cool. Here. Here, yeah. Uh, on the church campus. Right on. Very cool. Oh, my friend Carolyn, doing? my friend Carolyn chimed in and said, yeah. um, how about 1 Corinthians as a description of love? Ah, oh, oh, Carolyn, right? yes. So my friend yes. Carolyn, uh, she uses first Corinthians as a way to pray over people. No, I and yeah, it's she a, uses the same thing. She does the same thing with Psalm 139. Okay. First Corinthians, first Corinthians 13. 13. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the whole first thing. Corinthians, first Carolyn, Corinthians 13. I'm, but that's okay. That's and, great. Um, 
you know, Ryan, make, would you help, or God, would you help Ryan to be more loving today? Huh? More patient, patient today, more kind uh, today, you know? And so what a good, right, like, her prayer point. is for me is that like, I would become more and more a person of love. And so uh, thank you for praying for me, Carolyn. That is and really for cool. The many others you pray for too. I love you. That All is right. really cool. That is really cool. So, um, Gwen talks about, uh, um, Gwen is asking a question about baptism. Um, you know, she says this, uh, I've known a lot of people who've rededicated their life to Christ after a season of walking away and have decided to be baptized a second time. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, Okay, so here here are my thoughts, and yeah. they are simply that. Okay, so, yeah. So um, I was baptized as an infant mm -hmm. in the Presbyterian Church, and when I came to faith in Jesus, uh, I really had this sense. Actually, it was during seminary uh, where I went, "Gosh, I I want to profess my faith to the world, and I want to tell people that I'm a disciple of Jesus." And so I, I decided I, that I'd get baptized again for me mm -hmm. as a believer. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I think that there's something unique about saying uh, as a believer, Jesus, I'm in and I'm following you. Um, I don't feel the same way about someone who's baptized as a believer and then recommits their life mm -hmm. to Christ. And, and here's why, here's why, because I think there's actually more power in recognizing God, you didn't let go of me. Mm. Like, even though I let go of you maybe, and even though I, I I walked away. You kept pursuing me, mm -hmm. and so pointing back to your believer's baptism, it, even in light of the journey away, I think there's a transcendent power in pointing back and saying, "God, even though I let go of you, you never let go of me." And I'm mm -hmm. so grateful mm -hmm. for your sustaining grace and mercy in my life. And so, yeah. I, I think that that picture gets tainted a little bit if we say, yep, let's back. We, we want to baptize when we come yeah. back after yeah. a prodigal season. Does yeah. that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. And, and I do think this is why, this is why we, we try as best we can to at least sit down with somebody before they get baptized. Um, you know, it's not like a, an interview. It's not like a test or anything like that, but at least kind of hear their story a little bit. In fact, um, just at our last baptism, um, two different people came to me with that same question. One of them, I and, and I just simply asked, hey, did you decide to get mm -hmm. baptized when you were a kid? Yeah. Because um, they, they were baptized younger. And one of them said, yes, I chose to. I knew it. I understood it. And I got it. And so I told her that very thing. I said, well, you know what? Then I want to say you, you, <laughs> this is not, then don't get baptized again. Yeah. Just remember that. Right. The other person said but more or less her dad made her do it. <laughs> and so that's where I said, well, all right, then I think that this is appropriate. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. And it's one of the reasons I've encouraged my kids to wait. And yeah. I know it sounds like a terrible thing, right. To tell my 10 year old daughter who loves Jesus totally. to wait. Yeah. Um, but I don't, ever want them to look back on it and think, well, my dad was a pastor, so I yes, had to get baptized, but that point. wasn't really my decision. No, I, I wanted to be their decision. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just like, keep pushing her back. Like, just wait a little yeah. bit, sweetie, just wait a little yeah. bit. And, um, I mean, she's, she is a disciple. She loves Jesus. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, she blows Absolutely. me away, but, um, I just want it. 
I want it to stick in her soul to go, this yeah. is my decision. Yeah. And I'm choosing to follow yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I like that. So, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. That's great. Okay. Well, um, thank you. I wanted to catch up with those questions. If you put them in there, we're going to get to them. So sometimes you just have to stick around a little bit yeah. and, uh, and we'll, we'll answer them as soon as we can. Um, okay. So now we, uh, we've, we've kind of talked through, we've talked through the, the message here, yeah. you know, um, and we're also on some waters that there's disagreement in the church, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's people who would say all sorts of things about baptism. There are. And, 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 uh, we would also say that, that while baptism is important, let me ask, what is the important thing about baptism? Because like you said, there's some Presbyterians, which we, we love Presbyterians. We have Presbyterian friends. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they baptize infants only. They have reasons to do it. And, they and do. I, yeah. you know, I'd also say this when you, every single person on the spectrum, when you hear their reasons for it, you often go, oh, okay, I, I could see that. Um, I, you know, I don't agree. But as long as that's practiced, I feel like, okay, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, now, at the same time, we're, we're saying this is one of the big things Jesus says. Correct. Right? It's part so of the Great Commission. It's Right? This is, yeah. this is huge. Right. It's immensely important. And yet, we can disagree that, you know, whether it's sprinkling or immersion, or immersion uh, whether it's done as a child uh, or as an adult— and um, I mean, I think everybody else is wrong, but um, just kidding. Uh, but um, I'm joking. And yet everyone, they think I'm wrong. So, you know, um, yeah, there's something that, that brings it, it all yeah. together, though. What, what is it that that is central about it? All right. Well, so here, here's what I would say. One, I, I do believe I would say fairly strongly in a believer's baptism yeah, yeah. and um Second, like, is baptism required for salvation? I would say no. And I would that say no. Water, correct. Getting dunked or sprinkled, right, or whatever that, in water. That yeah. symbol, that ritual, that sacrament, that is not required for salvation, right? Okay. That salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, mm -hmm. right? That that's that is what is quote unquote saves us. Mm -hmm. That being said. Um, I don't know that the first century church would have been, the first church would have been familiar with an unbaptized believer. Mm. I think that it would have been a part, a, assumed, they were sort of part and parcel, that they, they went together as mm -hmm. you profess faith in Jesus and, you know, sometimes went through some sort of catechism and all that, whatever. Yeah. But as you profess faith in Jesus, then you also would be then be baptized. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I, I do want to hold that out there to say that's a reality from the first century church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, baptism is merely a symbol of what's happened in our in our lives. And so we're buried with Christ in his death. Mm -hmm. And it, so in our sin, and we were raised to walk in newness of life. Yeah. And that, by the work of the Spirit in us, by the work of Jesus on the cross, we are made new. And baptism is a 
a picture of it. Like often people will say like, like a ring a is ring. a symbol yeah. of a marriage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Same the, type yeah, of the, thing. That is not the marriage. This isn't the marriage. No. But it's a symbol of it. And I'm, I'm glad it's not because this is my third ring. Okay, there you go. So I'm yeah. glad that the ring is not Baptist, my... Baptized three times. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm um, taking from this. Uh, yeah, no, I just lost. I lost one of them. Then. Anyway, um, I still am in trouble for that. But... Um, that's a that's a great illustration. But here's the thing that that means that there is something that is what baptism symbolizes that identity piece that yeah. we are now new that we have been buried with Christ, we've risen with Christ, that we have a new family. New family. You talk about that. That yeah, new allegiance, new identity, new family. And it yeah. seems like the different traditions all they they all put that at least somehow into the picture, whether however they do it. Yeah, uh, it that's in there, and and so that gets me to this this idea that um there's things that we disagree with a lot with 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 you know um let me say i said this i said that that we disagree a lot with people we disagree on certain things yes but in the vast majority of christians out there if we really were to add up all the things we agree with and all the things we disagree with um the things we agree with are a lot more right right and yet it's those things that we disagree that oftentimes maybe a, a you know considerably small amount compared to the things we agree on are the things that separate us. And You're right. when those things, you know, it, you could, you know, you could get in trouble mm -hmm. for like, you know, talking about in good ways those people or quoting people that uh that, that believe so those things. Is that possible? Is it possible? Yeah, you no, you're me. right. You're right, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even like, um, so yeah, like within Protestantism, there'd be certain disagreements amongst like people about baptism, certainly yeah. amongst Catholics, amongst mm -hmm. Orthodox, that, that there's nuances in different ways that people do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's been an interesting journey for me at Emmanuel Faith. Okay. Um, and because there are a number of Catholic authors that, I, mm -hmm. that, I, that I'll read mm -hmm. that have had significant influence on my life. Um, I think one of one of my favorite authors, his name is Henry Nowen. Mm. And I, I just yeah. I, I just think God used him and spoke through him and um, just really encouraging. Mm -hmm. He's a Catholic author. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, at Emmanuel Faith, I've quoted Catholic authors before and mm -hmm. um, gotten people sent me emails and had a pretty hard time with that. Mm. And um so I, so I think, yeah, for people to know when I quote somebody, uh, I am not endorsing everything that they've ever written. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm not claiming that I've read everything that they've ever yeah, written. Yeah, that's a good point. And in today's world, I don't know how you could claim that about anybody, really. Yeah, I mean, no. I don't know how you would know that. Um, but I think I'm in good company hmm. there. Because that's what the apostle Paul did when he preached. Oh, absolutely. Like if you read if you read through Acts chapter 17, you see Paul at Mars Hill or at the Areopagus, yeah. and he quotes pagan poets yeah. in his sermon that made it into scripture. Epicetus or yeah, something like so, that. Some, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so he's not saying I agree with everything this person said. Yeah. He's actually saying, um, in that context, I agree with this. We are all children of God yes. on some level, yeah. right? Um, but he's not saying, I, I fully endorse everything that they've ever written. And um, so when I quote somebody, I'm not 
A, saying I'm claiming to have read everything they've ever written. I'm not saying I agree with everything that I've read yeah. that they've written. I'm saying here's a quote that I think helps us wrestle with the text and the direction that we're going within the sermon. Mm -hmm. So um, I've quoted Sam Harris in sermons yeah, before. Right. I've quoted Christopher Hitchens in sermons before. I've quoted uh, Madonna. Yeah, I've <laughs> quoted. Say, I've quoted Lady Gaga. I mean, I've quoted a lot quoted of The Office. I've you know, quoted yeah. The Office. I, I try not to quote The Office as much as I'd really like to. <laughs> uh, I quote Dallas Willard a lot, and uh, only some of those are actually in my notes. Other ones are just, just like, like, they come like, to like oh gosh, it's too good not to say. Um, and so, yeah, that I, I try to read widely. I know you do the same thing, and um, I try to read ecumenically. I try to read across sort of mm -hmm. my denominational convictions mm -hmm. to say, what can I learn from people outside of my world? Yeah. And, and, and this, this, if, if I see anything and not to say that I'm, I'm, I'm in this world also, but, um, I, what we try to do is kind of look above a little bit and look at the way, the way that, uh, trends in theology have moved. And so one of the things that it seems to me like, there was um, a way that that people uh, defined themselves in theological terms was with what they were against. Mm -hmm. Okay, for a long time, and so they they would they would only read. It was it was encouraged in seminaries. Even it seems sounds to me like it was encouraged to only read certain authors. Yeah. It, now that's not the way that I was trained right. in seminary. Um, not the way that that I think. Um, I, I want to read everyone. Now it seems to be encouraged to kind of get a broader perspective because when we're in a narrow perspective, when we're reading people that look like me, that mm -hmm. that think like me, and and uh, you know that agree are from, with me, agree with me, um, you know from America even, right, yeah. or or from my tradition, then they come with the same conclusions, yes. and and you, it's hard to get outside. And and here's the problem: this book was not written by people that look like me, that think like me, that any of those things. No way. Very, very different. I mean, their whole worldview was different. Their whole yes. mindset was different. Yes. I mean, they're like we're, we're, we operate based on guilt and innocence in the West often, but it, primarily they, they would have operated uh, um, from a very different point of view. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they, they, they would have been going, well, it's not so much about guilt and innocence. It's about being a part of the community. Yes. It's about, um, uh, the term is slipping me right now. If you know it, you can <laughs> communal. No, uh, yeah, no, not quite. Being that. A part of the community. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yes. but, that, and, and here's the thing. Yeah. There's, I think that, that there's this variety of, uh, of people, of expressions, of cultures that each of those can, can highlight and pick up something totally, a yes. little bit different. And when I read someone that has a different perspective, I go, oh, I've never, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, to be very clear, there's many times when I think, oh, I've never thought of it that way. And I think, yeah, they're wrong. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. I never thought about it that way because I don't think you should think about it that way. Right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that happens. And, honor, shame. And sometimes yeah. Honor, shame versus guilt and innocence. <laughs> Finally, I'm like, yes. yeah, okay, there it is. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the fact is that, uh, in the same book, I can say, oh, you missed that, but wow, this, like, this was, 
this is right on. Yes. And the fact that uh, someone gets one part wrong um, doesn't mean that they're all wrong. Totally. And and praise the Lord for that. Yes. Because I have been wrong. I don't know where it is. Josh has been wrong. <laughs> it's, I had a professor. Josh, how does that feel? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, had a, uh, I had an epistemology professor, okay, philosophy class. And he got up and said, I am wrong about some things. And we're like, what? And is the professor to say that? And he says, as soon as you tell me where I'm wrong, I will then correct them and I will no longer be wrong. <laughs> so that <laughs> I, his hope is, you know, he's like, I, I, that, therefore I will never be, I'll never consistently be wrong. Yes. Because I'm going to be continually learning. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, well, and that's what, you know, Dallas Willard said, reality is what you run into when you find out you're wrong. And, um, and so like this <laughs> yeah. ability to say, okay, I was wrong and I'm going to change. I, huh. I think I've, I've just been so enriched. Like recently I've read, uh, books by, um, charismatic, a, a charismatic theologian. I've read books by two books that, uh, two authors from the Greek Orthodox or the mm. Orthodox tradition, uh, that have just been really, really challenging hmm. to me. And, um, I, I like, I read to learn and mm -hmm. learning either implies that there's some there you're being challenged with something you don't know yet, or you're having to rethink something you, you thought you knew and think about it differently. And so yeah. like the echo chamber of just reading people I agree with doesn't scratch the itch of learning. It just reinforces. Now there's a place <laughs> for that. Like, okay, I'm not yeah. saying that that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. If I write a book, I want you guys to buy it and read it, right? Yeah, like, and, and, but, and, and you may agree with me on a lot agree. of stuff. But I, I do think that there's a place for challenging ourselves. And even, I would argue, even within sermons to say, okay, like mm. I, I don't agree with everything this person has written, but I agree with this part and let's wrestle with this. This is good. So, so wait, 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 okay. Now, does that apply to you? That what? That I might be wrong? Yeah. Yes. That, yes. That, that in a sermon... That if if you're listening or to a podcast even yeah. currently, and and people say oh, I love that, but I'm not so sure about that. That's okay. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And um, I invite that dialogue. I mm. want that dialogue. I want us to be a church that wrestles mm. with things because the authority for me lies in the Scripture mm. and it lies in the Spirit and um, so let's let's wrestle with the the text, right? Let's mm -hmm. wrestle with God and what He's said. And so I invite, yeah, I invite that feedback and questions. Absolutely, I actually really love it. Yeah, yeah, I know so, you do. I know that's why that's why I ask. And so that that's and I, I think that's really what this is this is all about. That's what we try to do on this on this podcast. And if you're listening, um, hopefully you understand the format that this is a place to to process to think about it, to dialogue about it, to, to go a little deeper into it and for you to, to ask, ask questions. Yeah. And so yeah. I love that. Um, you want to flash Danielle's question? Yes. Oh, Tim, honor, shame. You came through for Tim, me, man. Tim nailed it. It was, uh, I didn't, I didn't see it before it came to me, but you were there. And, I know. Way and to I go. love it. Way yeah, to go. The so best, so Danielle says this and let's read it for our podcast listeners. The idea that baptism is merely a simple picture of what's happening on the inside uh, scripturally uh, where do, where do we see that yeah yeah that's a great question I, I would say that the most 
prolific place we see it, it would be Romans chapter six. And uh, starting in verse three, it reads like this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ? Mm -hmm. So he's talking about, uh, Paul's talking about baptism that I, I don't is not less than mm. the act of going under the water, but certainly is more, mm. right? That we're we're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's where baptism is um and and I wouldn't I wouldn't actually say that it's merely a picture or a symbol, but that it is a picture or a symbol. Yeah. The, so there, and by not merely, I, I think there is something significant that yeah. does happen at baptism. Okay. Yeah. And and yet there's because uh, I, I would argue though that there is something significant that happens at every sacrament that transcends just the symbol itself. There you have it. You just said the sacrament with three minutes to go to leave and uh that may have to wait till next time (laughs) you slipped in sacrament there and i will refrain from bringing up okay that's better just kidding (laughs) um uh because the and and what i'm and i don't i hope i'm not reading into danielle's question um but that merely um basically what there's there was a lot there's a lot of people who would say that baptism um you know, they would maybe fall short from saying that it's necessary for salvation, but that it is like, I mean, it's right up there almost, right? Right. right. It's, it's super, super, super important. Yes. Uh, and so we, we don't want to disregard or, you know, and maybe, maybe she heard a saying that, uh, you know, it's, you don't have to, you don't have to do it. So don't. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily what you're saying, right. but how would you, how would you uh, put it? In those terms, I would say that baptism is an invitation from Jesus Mm. to publicly declare that we are, that our allegiance is to him and that in our obedience, Jesus meets us in unique ways. Mm. And I, I believe that even in the act of baptism, that there is a symbol, there is symbolic nature to it. Mm. Uh, there's also, uh, a unique presence that Jesus gives to baptism. I, mm. I would argue the same thing is true of communion, mm. that as we take communion, that God's unique presence is is with us in that moment mm-hmm. that is is different than yeah. um, at other moments. So yeah. that that mm. that's all that I'm saying. And is that is that clear? Yeah. No, I think so. I think okay. so. I hope so. And I and I know I mean it, yeah, this is uh it, it's a it's a tricky one because I do think there are extremes where people will push baptism um, so much that it it seems like it's earning salvation. Totally. I know that's not that's not what Danielle's saying. Um, that's an extreme. And then there's other extremes that that kind of disregard it altogether or don't right. talk about. It. Yeah. I, you know, the church that I grew up in, um, I I don't know that they still do this and and I don't know if it was intentional at all, but throughout growing up in, you know, throughout my high school experience, everywhere from childhood to high school, it was just not talked about. Hmm. And I don't ever remember. In fact, I was in my twenties and I, I called my mom and said, mom, was I ever baptized? <laughs> like I didn't, I don't know. Like I, I was thinking to myself, did I get baptized as a kid? That's why they never talked about it. Like maybe. Were, so were you in? No, I was not. Okay. I was not. And so 
it was actually, I was in ministry and, uh, and I literally called my mom, mom, was I baptized as a child? Like maybe as an infant or something like that. I don't know. And, uh, she's like, no. And so sure enough, I got baptized and then I turned around in the same pool and baptized the first, my, some of my first students oh, I love in that. ministry. What a great picture. It was, uh, it what was a cool. great picture. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I think we should talk about this question before we close. Oh, do we have one more? The one that was sent in. No. Oh, it, my goodness. We Google didn't. Doc. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Anita. Um, she said I can say her name. Okay. By the good. way, good. I, I, so, <laughs> um, she said I could bring it up and she said I could talk publicly about this. So, um, okay. We're going to, we're going to extend slightly because this is, this is important. Anita, okay. We were talking and she said this and she said, please bring it up to Ryan. She said uh, she just loves. She is one of these people that is committed. That is like, I mean, she's here, you know, Sunday nights. Yep, and uh, loves it. Uh, is and really puts it into practice. Yeah, she's living it out. She's living this out. Um, it's cool to see. Um, she says she loves how practical the sermons are and how there's always something that we can do. And yet, at the same time, this was her words to me. She said, "But." If Ryan gives me one more thing to do, I'm just gonna, I'm just done. I can't do anything else. <laughs> and I thought, uh, oh my goodness, yes. what a great statement. Yes. So it was not, it was, it was, it, it sounds like a criticism, but it's not. It was no. in the spirit of, 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 no, of Anita, I am a type A person too. <laughs> I feel you. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't know if you are too, but I, f I, I feel that. I just wanna say, like, I, yes. Yes. Uh, All right. Tell me. So let me give yeah, you just yeah. a few uh, a few things. One, thanks for the question. I think it's That's it's a, a great question. Yes. Number two, I'm so glad people are are taking steps to say what would it look like for me to become a disciple yeah. that transcends ideas and actually goes into mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. I think there there's a challenge right now in our current um, just church model current cultural moment in a digital information age we can learn more things and hear mm. more things and trick ourselves into thinking we're becoming something uh. different and and actually doing something with the information that we have huh. as we just listen more mm -hmm. actually there's something that your brain does when you're around information that tricks you into thinking you're actually doing something with it yeah rather than um just hearing it and going okay now i need to make a definitive steps to put this into action that's the story of a pastor's life that it, it yes. could be it could be yeah Hopefully sure yeah, sure so a few things that i would keep in mind to anita and me and others like <laughs> yeah, us yeah. Uh, number one this is all invitation yeah all of it all of it and uh jesus was the consummate inviter right uh come follow me to the rich young man sell everything if you want to and follow me but you can't follow me if you don't right mm -hmm. it was it was an invitation mm -hmm. to judas go do what you're going to do, do it quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he doesn't try to talk him into it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all invitation. So I think the journey is trying to discern what Jesus's invitation uniquely is for us in this moment and in this season. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do is give you tools that you can pull out and utilize at any time as you continue to grow and mature as a disciple. But like when I talked about different spiritual practices, my uh, my expectation or hope isn't that people try to do all of those week one yeah, or yeah um that they go all right now i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i, I just 
they pray about what the invitation is and try some of these and see which ones are life-giving mm -hmm. in the season mm -hmm. that you're in. And then know you have others to utilize in different seasons. That's good. That's good. Um, I had another conversation with another one of our members. I didn't, I didn't get permission to say her name, but um, she was asking a similar question and, and actually wanting to get, she was wanting to put together a resource of, of uh, really more or less asking a bunch of people, a subset of people, how they practice this, mm. just to give people ideas to say, I love like, that. Like, not, it's not, not every, you know, not, you're, you're not going to find people doing all these things. No, um, no. To be real honest about it and to say that this is what I'm doing right now. This is another thing that I could do. But it's, and, and I think seeing these as, um, as as in filling your library of these are resources that yep. I have. I've got my resources like I you know love books mm -hmm. and I love having the right book yep. at the right place that I can grab to answer a question or to, to look at something. And yes. so these practices, um, these practical advice are are not always things that we're gonna say like okay go do the whole bookshelf <laughs> right right it's it's when i need this i can pull this one out and go yep. oh, this is a good practice for now yep That's and there true. may be times that there may be moments you can redeem also right mm -hmm. like if you wanted to start practicing silence what if good. instead of turning on the radio when you get into the car and you're alone what if you just said okay whenever i'm driving alone i'm going to practice silence mm -hmm. and i'm going to try to use and redeem this moment to commune with my father, you know? Uh, there, so there's small things that you can do rather than total overhauls to your schedule. Yeah. You can look at like, what are these moments within my day that I could redeem and that God could breathe new life into? Yeah. I love it. And just at the point where it's getting too convicting to me, I'm going to end it. So, cause we wouldn't want <laughs> all right, that. Let's, at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, that's with, a I'm with point. you. Anita. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, thank you so much. And, and we do hope and pray that uh, that was a great way to end. Cause this really is advice. It is, uh, um, ideas. It is biblical wisdom. Um, and, and, um, it's invitation. An it's invitation, invitation. Yeah. to to live the life that God's designed you to live. That's what vitology is all about, and we're trying to we're trying to help help you do that. And in the process, it's helping us. And absolutely, so, Ryan, I appreciate the conversation. Josh, fun it as is, always it is great. Thank you, to everybody who has joined in. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Yeah. God bless.